introduction to tales from ariosto by joseph shield nicholson this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. tales from ariosto by joseph shield nicholson introduction ludovico ariosto was born in reggio september eighth fourteen seventy four and died in ferrara june sixth fifteen thirty three the first edition of the orlando furioso was published in fifteen sixteen and the last revised by the author in fifteen thirty two the poem at once gained an immense success and panizzi says that at least one hundred thousand copies were printed in ten years from fifteen forty two to fifteen fifty one the book was translated into the chief modern languages and the fame of the author grew from century to century the four hundredth anniversary of ariosto's birth was the occasion of elaborate celebrations in ferrara and italy's greatest modern poet giuseppe carducci wrote of him with the enthusiasm we are accustomed to reserve for shakespeare it is said that the epithet of the divine poet was first given to ariosto by galileo and the name has been handed down to our own times besides being one of the great poets of the world ariosto is a prince of storytellers in this country however ariosto is now very little read and even the names of his chief characters are seldom heard people speak of rodomonte but they do not know who rodomont was the object of the present venture is to do something to revive the interest of the ordinary english reader in ariosto the excellent works of mr edmund gardner have got rid of a mass of false tradition and ill-founded criticism and are invaluable for the serious student of the renaissance and of its most representative writer but to the ordinary reader these works may seem too elaborate for a beginner the present volume is intended to give some of the chief stories of the orlando furioso in such a way as to bring out also the main plot if it be asked what a man of my trade has to do with italian poetry i shall reply that my old master adam smith wrote an essay much admired by dr johnson on italian versification compared with english the critic will there find the reason why single rhymes occur very rarely in ariosto and the logical result of the comparison seems to be that ariosto's poetry is best translated into english prose how i came to be so much interested in ariosto that i wish to bring other people under the charm is perhaps best known by a reference to my personal experience which will also serve to explain incidentally why ariosto has lost popular favor in this country some time ago i happened to read again after a very long interval dryden's translation of the aeneid i read the book simply for the story and the enjoyment of the mighty line and i had no ulterior design of improving my mind or recalling in an easy manner the classical studies of my youth although no doubt the pleasure was enhanced by the remembrances of the latin and old associations the story however was the thing and i was astonished by the full-bodied life of the translation i found myself as interested in the plot and characters and the episodes as if i were reading a modern novel for amusement in truth the amusement of the modern novel seemed feeble in comparison 
i was encouraged to try other translations in verse and next i read the lusiad of camoins and in spite of the poverty of the translation mickle the story lived and moved and even all the poetry had not vanished in this way i was led by an easy gradation to john hoole's version of ariosto judged by any of the usual judged by any of the usual tests of translators hule is one of the worst he has all the mannerisms and no spark of the brilliancy of pope and for the most part his verse is the very false gallop of commonplace hule was indeed as sir walter scott said the noble transmuter of the gold of ariosto into lead and we are told elsewhere that hule transmuted so much of the gold every day no more no less till his task was done but in spite of hule such was the native force of ariosto that the story moved and the people lived again it happened that i had long had in my possession a very rare edition of the orlando furioso in italian with fine plates which except the plates i had persistently neglected the poverty of hule led me back to the wealth of the original and once a beginning was made i read it and reread it with increasing pleasure i wondered how so divine a poet was now so little known in this country i asked the leading authority if there was no better version in english than hule's and he told me there was william scott rose his version as a crib to the italian rose is excellent but as a teller of tales for an english reader rose is even less attractive than hule sir walter indeed tells a story that when rose's translation appeared someone said was at a breakfast of samuel rogers that the italian should be printed on the other side to assist the indolent reader to understand the english it is probably due however to a misunderstanding of the opinion given by sir walter on the merits of the translation by rose that ariosto has been neglected in this country for nearly a century past rose tells with pride in his preface that he had been encouraged to complete the translation by his friend sir walter himself who had told him with the wisdom of an oracle that the doing of the work would be its own reward this was interpreted to mean that sir walter approved of the translation and this supposed approval sufficed to displace hule from the english reading world but however the defects of hule's translation it proved itself to be readable by any ordinary reader who could read a story in popish verse rose except as a crib to the italian is unreadable hule before he was damned by rose ran through seventeen editions it is surely curious that by an unfortunate accident the genial encouragement of sir walter scott should have been the chief cause of the neglect into which in this country his favorite poet has fallen everyone knows that byron called scott the ariosta of the north though it is perhaps not so well known that in the same stanza he called ariosto the southern scott certain it is that the influence of ariosto on scott was enormous and oddly enough this influence came in the first place through the despised hule when scott was apprenticed to the law in his father's office he was so much impressed in hule's translation that he saved up his pocket money to get lessons in italian so as to read ariosto in the original it is told also by scott in a fragment of the autobiography that when he was a student at the university he incurred the wrath of his professor of greek 
by comparing ariosto to homer to the disadvantage of the latter for a very long time scott made a practice of reading ariosto and boyardo who was ariosto's father in poetry once a year for the present purpose however the literary influence of ariosto is of secondary importance though in passing it may be recalled that he has already impressed his genius on spencer and milton and even on shakespeare and most of all on cervantes to properly appreciate don quixote one must know the orlando furioso here again it is remarkable that the admiration of the spaniard by a singular perversion has been as unlucky as that of the scot for it has been supposed that the very purpose of cervantes was to ridicule the work of ariosto the critics know better but the popular opinion is too deeply rooted to be moved out of its place it shows no knowing that ariosto is in the very front rank of poets but there are other poets with great names who are much talked of and little read except by professed students the ordinary lover of romance who for example can read with delight the extravagances of the arabian nights does not go to spencer for amusement in spite of the gorgeous imagery and the elizabethan language and spencer was professedly an imitator of ariosto but of ariosto it has been truly said that of all the poets he is the most read over and over again and that with him the pleasure grows with the familiarity once the reader gets over the preliminary difficulty of making a beginning the charm is irresistible even in Yule's translation but for the english reader of the present day the preliminary difficulty is really considerable the only version that gives the spirit of the original in english worthy of the subject is that by sir john harrington that witty fellow my godson as queen elizabeth called him unfortunately however the book is so rare that it is difficult to get access to a copy even in a good library and the price is prohibitive except to the bibliomaniac who is also a lover of ariosto the language is also in many cases too robust for the present age and the book is enriched with plates and notes that are now chiefly of antiquarian interest so that a reprint seems improbable but apart from the want of a good translation the english reader of the present day is confronted by another serious obstacle in making a beginning of ariosto if he is reading merely for pleasure and not for literary culture or curiosity the truth is that the orlando furioso is so complex in construction that the full effect can only be realized after intimate familiarity has been attained with the characters and episodes on a first perusal the reader is bewildered by the wonderful interlacing of the different stories and the sudden intervention of new characters in no writer are the transitions so abrupt and the intervals of suspended interest so prolonged the orlando furioso is a conglomeration of stories of all kinds from the most delicate and ideal romance to the broadest humour and the stories are not simply held together as in the arabian nights by a connective tissue that is purely formal but the main plot in ariosto is developed in the telling of the stories and the more one reads the more one is astonished at the constructive art of the poet a story is left at the most interesting point and not taken up again until other incomplete stories have been interwoven with the main plot there is no preliminary description of the characters or of the scene of action it seems at first sight as if ariosto had 
pieced together a mass of stories in a kind of patchwork that the only interest of the plot was in the disentanglement and the postponement of the solution of the puzzle it is as if shakespeare had put into one great play a dozen tragedies and comedies and interspersed the scenes at random and it is only after repeated readings that the method and the madness of ariosto is seen and appreciated the difficulty is increased by the fact that the stories are in themselves so vivid and interesting that the main plot is not seen or is forgotten as in a great battle the main strategy is lost in the particular incidents the complexity of the whole poem and the interest of the particular stories may be shown by a simple fact it has been the practice of successive editors to give footnotes with references for the continuation of the story in hand probably the only translator who has not adopted this plan is the unfortunate rose by the aid of these guiding notes the reader may finish one story at a time but he will not see the full bearing until the intervening stories have been read it may be asked how the work could have attained so sudden and great popularity when it first appeared must be remembered that the orlando furioso is in form a sequel to the orlando enamorato of boyardo and the readers of the new work were supposed to be familiar with the old apart from this most of the characters are taken from the general store of romantic legend with which the people of the age were familiar and which indeed had become a part of popular tradition orlando or roland to give the more familiar name in english was as well known and as real a personality as charlemagne himself or we might say that the charlemagne of medieval tradition was as legendary as roland the current phrase as romances tell was familiar and full of meaning to all the men and women of the time from their youth up the art of the poet lay more on the setting of the old than in the invention of the new even in the setting plagiarism was not a vice but a virtue spencer and the fairy queen introduced literal translations of whole stanzas from ariosto just as ariosto had incorporated famous passages from the classical writers besides the difficulty involved in the complexity of the story and the multitude of personages and even the great alexandre dumas himself is relatively simple other troubles are put in the way of the reader both from the style and from the machines to use the old term ariosto in the manner of style is not only the despair of any translator but the despair also of the critic and of the reader who is biased by the judgment of the critic the footnotes of Huell are sprinkled with apologies and lamentation not for the poverty of the translation but for the extravagances in the style of his original which refused to be put into any imitation of pope's homer in truth the style of ariosto is as varied as that of chaucer or shakespeare the heroic not only verges on but passes into the mock heroic and there is no gradual modulation ariosto delights in abrupt transitions not merely from grave to gay but from epic tragedy to grotesque extravaganza and between the extremes there are variations of all kinds the variegated style of ariosto is not the result as might at first be supposed of carelessness in composition or ignorance of the rules of polite literature the poet took infinite pains in revising his verses he put his doubts before his friends and he knew the best men and women in a great age 
he invited and pressed for suggestions of improvement the marvel is that he did not file and polish until no freshness was left but the most notable characteristic of the poem is its irrepressible vitality the people are all real and living and their actions are the actions of the living no doubt there are morals to be extracted and ideals and allegories but only such as are to be extracted from the lives of men in this respect there could be no sharper contrast than between ariosto and spencer with the italian the moral if there is one must be seen by the reader for himself and the moral will vary greatly with the reader just as the morals drawn from the book of life with the english imitator the allegory is dominant and persistent the characters are not persons but ideas and ideas they remain to the end of the story in the matter of style the fascination of ariosto grows with reading and re-reading and with increased familiarity with the persons and the atmosphere of the poem he is always a writer of romance but he is real but not realistic he cared no more than shakespeare for accuracy in geography or history and yet his places and people seem real just as the wood near athens and duke theseus and the rude mechanical seem real in the same way ariosto may be compared with shakespeare in the use of the supernatural and this leads up to the difficulties associated with the machines and the gods in and out of the machines the reader must be warned that in ariosto the magical and even the supernatural in the more narrow sense play an essential part to begin with there are the more simple forms of the marvellous there is the celebrated flying horse one of the most fascinating horses in fiction described as a natural but very rare hybrid there is the famous golden lance which with a touch unseats the strongest rider there is the ring which wards off other magic and makes its holder invisible at pleasure there is the horn that with its blast terrifies the bravest there are magicians and fairies and monsters and monstrosities of divers sorts and all these wonders are as much parts of the story as the paladins and paynims so far however there is not much difficulty that is to say if only the reader will take the magical of ariosto as he does that of shakespeare or shall we say of Maeterlinck, and does not search for allegories but beyond the magical there is the supernatural proper the main action is the conflict between the saracens and the christians for the possession of europe on each side aid is summoned from the ends of the earth the fate of christendom is in the balance the greatest of the paladins is orlando and he has been gifted by god with an invulnerable body and a perfection in all the virtues and graces of chivalry but he forgets his duty to god and king and becomes enslaved to the love of angelica the fairest of her sex but a pagan and the enslaver of all men christian and saracen it is for this sin that madness comes upon orlando and the madness of orlando is the title role of the poem but although the supreme power is fundamental in the development of the great contest for christendom it is not obtruded and forced on the attention the madness of orlando seems simply the natural outcome of his despair on the loss of angelica the human interest is never lost sight of or suppressed by the overwhelming powers of the supernatural the contrast with milton is as marked as with spencer 
the treatment of the religious elements by ariosto is indeed so frankly artistic or classical that he has been censored by some of the older commentators for blasphemy the reader familiar with medieval art and religion will see at once that the charge of blasphemy is simply incongruous it was quite in accord with the spirit of his works and of his life that ariosto should have been buried in a church lamented as Hull says by every good man though Hull, more than any one laments in his notes the indefensible blasphemies of his author the present-day reader however is much more likely to be afraid that a poet who introduces the powers and dominions of heaven will not be blasphemous but simply dull and sermonic let anyone who fears to be enticed into an inferior paradise regained read to begin with the description of the journey of astolfo to the moon under the guidance of st john for the recovery of the census lost by orlando a series of scenes in which the fanciful imagination of ariosto is at its best another obstacle in the way of reading ariosto that is likely to be formidable to the english reader who has been dulled by the easy realism of modern fiction is the gorgeous extravagance of the prowess of the heroes but romance without extravagance according to ordinary standards is not romance and the only true test is that of internal harmony not of harmony with ordinary human nature the best example of this extravagant prowess is rotomo who has been given his name in all languages to the extremes of boastful daring and impossible feat of arms but just as quixotism gives a very false idea of the don quixote of cervantes so does rodomante suggest a very false idea of the rodomont of ariosto again the extravagances of the madness of orlando must be taken with the setting in the poem and not with reference to a medical work on insanity or the conventional madness of modern fiction the madness of orlando is in some ways like the madness of ajax though in origin and development quite different in both cases the hero in his madness does the things that he could not have done even in the wildest passion in his sanity amongst the virtues of chivalry one of the most pleasing was the friendly care always bestowed on the horse in a tournament or even in battle it was considered heinous to wound the horse of an opponent with intention ariosto unlike scott or homer may forget to give the warriors themselves a sufficiency of meals and feasts but he never forgets the horses even rotomont in his blind fury for the loss of doralis is made to sail down a river to give a rest to his wearied horse but orlando in his madness directs much of his fury against innocent horses nothing could show more forcibly the madness of the hero though at first sight his ferocity in this direction seems inexplicable brutality if some of the ruling ideas of ariosto seem to us rather worn by long use and imitation there are other ideas in the orlando furioso which at the present time are exciting a very lively interest the poet has created in bradamont the ideal of the woman militant and bradamont is the central heroine of the whole poem in battle or in single combat she is the equal of the greatest knights and yet withal she never loses her woman's character her love for rogerio is love at first sight and becomes the ruling power in all her thoughts and deeds she is by turns fearful and jealous self-effacing and wholly exacting 
forgiving and unforgiving variable as the wind and yet constant as the fixed star just as if she had never donned armour even marfisa who is in some ways is the counterpart of rotomo is never brutally masculine and shows her saving graces on occasions with delightful unexpectedness as when she forbears to hang brunello the amazons themselves are made quite reasonable even in their savage laws against men granted the original provocation the devotion of ariosto to women and the honor he paid to women in his great poem are plainly genuine and sincere and in marked contrast to the courtly flattery bestowed on his contemptible patron cardinal ippolito and although the woman militant plays a great part in the orlando furioso perhaps the greatest triumph is angelica who never even wore a dagger there are no doubt passages and scenes in ariosto as in chaucer and shakespeare which to the present age may seem too natural for our prevailing conventions and ariosto has been styled indelicate just as he used to be called blasphemous and with equal unreason for the tone of a writer must be judged not merely by the negative test of reticence but by the vital spirit that pervades his work and the spirit of ariosto is the spirit of health and vigor and is ruled by courage and truth and courtesy courtesy has been for so long a time a receding virtue that we have now almost lost sight of it but ariosto makes courtesies the burden of his song just as much as loves and deeds of daring as is shown in the first couplet which he is reported to have written over and over again thus englished by harrington of dames of knights of arms of love's delight of courtesies of high attempts i speak i have wandered far from my starting point and it is time to return to the narrow range of the purpose of the volume it is not within its compass to offer any contribution whatever to the serious study of ariosto from any point of view it occurred to me after reading the divine poet many times with increasing pleasure that he would still find many english readers even in a bad translation if only certain preliminary difficulties could be got over the nature of some of these difficulties has already been indicated and no doubt the greatest of all is that ariosto is always beginning a new story before he has half finished a number of old ones when his readers were more or less familiar with the characters in the setting from other sources this trouble was not so great although this complex interlacing has often been considered as one of the defects of the poem as a whole and yet it will be found that once the perspective has been realized this intermingling of stories has a peculiar fascination and as charles james fox is reported to have said there is not an incident out of harmony or superfluous certainly this intermingling is one of the reasons why the interest grows with familiarity ariosto has been so long neglected in this country that his stories even the most celebrated are now little known even by hearsay and the difficulty of reading the poem as a whole is thereby much increased my object has been to retell some of these stories in such a continuous way as to avoid the perplexities of the original presentation in disconnected fragments the leading idea in the selection has been the bearing on the main plot the volume does not profess to give all the stories or even the best representatives of all the different kinds apart from the tales there is no attempt to give in prose selections of ariosto's 
most famous poetry e g the preludes to the cantos it will be found that the dominant note in the series is the romantic and after all ariosto is the father of modern romance the stories as here told are to be looked on as adaptations rather than translations although in some parts it has been found possible to follow the original text very closely in other places the sense of proportion demanded expansion or contraction it is hoped however that nothing is out of harmony with the spirit of ariosto the plan i adopted was to picture to myself the various scenes as they were unfolded and to describe them in my own fashion the plan is an old one indeed the oldest method of story-telling the reader is induced to turn from these reminiscent reproductions to the original the main purpose will be served the conclusion of the whole matter may be put in the words of charles james fox in a letter to an intimate friend for god's sake learn italian as fast as you can to read ariosto j s n edinburgh october nineteen thirteen end of introduction